these issues when it comes to low energy are complex and they are so different from one person to the next. You know, low energy could be being caused by adrenals, like in, in my case, or it could be caused by hormones or thyroid issues or vitamin uh, and, and mineral imbalances or, or gut uh, bacteria imbalances or immune dysfunction or poor detoxification or, or poor inflammatory uh, control or regulation. All of these things can lead to poor energy and fatigue. The mission is simple, to help high achievers naturally eliminate emotional and physical obstacles so they can optimize their life for higher achievement. Welcome. You have just entered the Genesis Zone. Good day and welcome to the Genesis Zone show. This is Dr. Brian Brown. Thanks for taking time out of your busy Thursday to join us. Um, Do you remember a time uh, when you were young and you ran everywhere you went and, and you felt good doing it? That's the key. Uh, how would you feel today if you could have energy like that again? I mean, what would it look like? What would you do? Uh, and what would you do differently with your newfound energy like a two-year-old? And what about mental energy? Have you noticed that your mental energy is slipping a little bit along with your physical energy? In today's episodes, we're going to be uh, exploring some barriers that have have been and likely still are blocking your physical and mental energy. So stay tuned. Now, last week, I introduced the concept of what a moody brain is and how it can be categorized into four different types. There's a sad type, a scattered type, a sluggish type, and a stressed type. Uh, but there's actually five categories if if you consider that there are those who actually struggle with kind of a mishmash of all four of those types. Now, we talked briefly about how you're not alone in this conundrum if you have a moody brain, especially if you consider the, the cumulative economic impact of moody brain issues being approximately $1.4 trillion per year in the U.S. alone. So today we're going to talk about the sluggish component of the moody brain. And uh, so what do I mean when I say sluggish? Well, for some people, it's it's physical fatigue related issues. And for other people, it's mental fatigue related issues. And for a greater portion uh, of us out there, it's a combination of the two. Uh, In fact, some people will say that fatigue is fatigue is fatigue. It doesn't matter whether it's happening in the body or whether it's happening in the brain. One place of origin affects the other. If it starts with mental fatigue, it can lead to physical fatigue and vice versa. On, On the one end of the spectrum, you can have plain old physical low energy, or you can feel like you need to put your head down and take a nap, no matter how much rest you got the night before. Or you can feel like someone pulled the plug on you about mid-afternoon every day, and you need that cup of coffee, but caffeine just doesn't seem to be cutting the cake anymore. On the other end of the spectrum, you can feel like your mental sharpness is 
it isn't quite what it used to be, or you're having trouble actually recalling details because of brain fog issues, or uh, you're you're thinking through things uh, figuratively speaking, and sometimes literally gives you a headache. Uh, regardless of which end of the spectrum you fall onto, or if you're somewhere in the middle, uh, this fatigue, this low energy is affecting you from head to toe, beginning to end. Now, how do I know this? Well, I've personally lived, lived through it. Um, I was electrocuted at age five. Uh, no one really realized the toll that it took on my body until it was almost too late. I didn't even realize the toll that it was taking on my body. Now, my heart, my heart, my ticker uh, took the largest hit. You see, um, I, I was misdiagnosed with night terrors for about 40 years un, until it nearly got the best of me and, and nearly killed me, literally. Uh, while I was driving one day, uh, I had a breakthrough kind of night terror episode in the middle of my day, almost wrecked my vehicle, thought I was going to pass out on the interstate driving almost 80 miles an hour. And uh, by the grace of God, I survived. Now, that's that's when a very specialized cardiologist that I ended up uh, getting in front of discovered that my heart had actually been stopping multiple times per night. And this had been going on for about 40 years because once he did his assessment and I, and I took home one of those monitors that I wore for, for some time, for a few days, um, the night terrors correlated exactly with my heart stopping on the EKG monitor. Uh, so he put two and two together uh, and, and, and we came to the conclusion that, oh my gosh, you know, if I've been having one to three of these night terrors per night ever since I was five years old, since I was electrocuted, uh, at minimum, uh, my heart has stopped 14,600 times. Now, that sounds impossible, I know. Uh, and, and I thought, oh my gosh, this can't be true. But after I got fitted with a pacemaker, guess what? The night terror symptoms went away. Now, you would think that that would be great and you just walk off into the sunset and live the rest of your life perfectly normal. But there was a huge problem. Uh, to say that I struggled with mental and physical fatigue was an understatement. Uh, you see, after all those years of having my heart stop over and over again and then get jump started with these massive amounts of adrenaline uh, that my adrenal glands would pump into my bloodstream to jumpstart my heart back, I had developed uh, adrenal fatigue. Now, that just simply means that my adrenal glands were so tired of being overworked that they just kind of quit working. And that's not a good place to be. We need adrenaline in order to survive, uh, but we need low doses of it very sparingly spread throughout the course of our life. We don't need it there every single day. And unfortunately, um, there are some of us in, in this world who live in high stress situations that get exposed to adrenaline all the time. Uh, not as significantly as your heart stopping and needing to be jump started back, but you get the gist. That's what I was going through. And my adrenal glands just said, Hey, we're not showing up for work today. And, uh, the fatigue set in for me. Now I know what you may be thinking. That's an extremely complex case that led to your fatigue, Dr. Brown. 
and, and I don't have that kind of history. Well, I share my story so that you can know this. The circumstances may be different um, case by case by case, but nearly all cases of low energy and fatigue are complex. So I tell you my story to just share that there's complexity involved when we're trying to tease through what is causing low energy issues. And it's probably the number one most hated complaint that medical professionals here in the office uh, and, and and the reason is, is because of this complexity, um, it, it, it doesn't fit into a perfect little box. When a, when a patient comes into a doctor's office or a nurse practitioner's office or a physician's assistant's office, and they're, they're sitting there and they're discussing what's going on with them. They say, man, I just have low energy all the time. I don't know what's going on. And that health professional does due diligence or or at least the due diligence they know to do. Um, and they check some basic lab work. They check some thyroid levels. They check, check some vitamin levels and things like that. And then they come back to the patient and they say, you know, everything looks fine. Everything looks normal. And, and I don't know about you, but having been on the patient side of things, I hate hearing those words, everything looks normal because you know, in your heart of hearts, you know what you're experiencing that, this is not normal. I don't know what normal is, but what I'm going through right now is not normal. So the these issues when it comes to low energy are complex and they are so different from one person to the next. You know, low energy could be being caused by adrenals, like in, in my case, or it could be caused by hormones or thyroid issues or vitamin uh, and, and mineral imbalances or, or gut uh, bacteria imbalances, or immune dysfunction, or poor detoxification, or, or poor inflammatory uh, control or regulation. All of these things can lead to poor energy and fatigue. But, but I want to share something that not everyone remembers, just to kind of drive the point home even further. Um, you've probably heard of a condition called chronic fatigue syndrome. Well, uh, a lot of people don't know this, but up until I say several years ago, because I've been practicing for 24 years, it seems like yesterday, it's probably been closer to six years, uh, up until the past six years or so, uh, people with chronic fatigue syndrome, guess what? They were referred to psychiatrists and therapists because they... Uh, the the health professional that was hearing this and saying, okay, you've got chronic fatigue. You got to be making it up. It must all be in your head. Uh, now, specialists as well as general practitioners, uh, GPs, thought that people who had chronic fatigue syndrome were faking their disorder for attention or because they were mentally ill. Therefore, they would refer them to psychiatry. Uh, when I practiced psychiatry before I switched over into functional medicine, um, I got chronic fatigue patients left and right. And I always knew that there was something more going on with these people than just a psychiatric condition. Now, sure, I'll be completely honest with you again, because I've lived it. When you stay fatigued long enough, you will become depressed. Okay. So there's no doubt. And, and if you look at the literature, the medical literature, the, the, it actually shows the people who struggle with chronic fatigue actually struggle with depression, but there's a reason for that. Okay. And we'll get to that in just a second. Um, now research has begun to show that 
people with chronic fatigue do not manage inflammation well. And it's definitely not all in their heads. In fact, um, well, kind of sort of is and kind of sort of isn't. I'll explain that. Uh, in fact, w- while doing research for the show, when I looked up a, uh, on Google Scholar, uh, that's where that's kind of the professional database that Google has where they put in all the all the, all the peer reviewed medical science research articles. Um, and, and, and I looked up uh, causes of chronic fatigue syndrome. Because if we're going to talk about just general fatigue, general low energy, we have to kind of look at its at its big sister, chronic fatigue syndrome. So I was just curious, causes of chronic fatigue syndrome, and it turned up 775,000 results since 2018. That's huge, people. I mean, that's a lot of research out there on chronic fatigue syndrome and the causes. Most of these research articles point to, you guessed it, inflammation being the root cause, more specifically neuroinflammation. So when I said a minute ago, um, they, people with chronic fatigue syndrome got blamed because they, uh, the, the health professional thought it was all in their head. Well, it kind of is. They're just not crazy. It's in their head because they've got a ton of, of neurological inflammation. Now they've got this neurological inflammation throughout their entire body, throughout, throughout their entire nervous system, but a lot of it resides in, in the cranium, in the brain. Uh, and, and other research actually shows that, that immune dysfunction is the issue. Now, how ironic, huh? Uh, re- remember my mantra that inflammation is synonymous with immunity. Um, and they work in, in this cyclical relationship. Uh, if one breaks down, it leads to a breakdown in the other system. Uh, and it just it follows this vicious cycle. It's kind of the old chicken or the egg thing, which came first. Did the inf- inflammation start and then it breaks down the immune system or did the immune system break down and, and cause inflammation? We really don't know. It's just a cyclical pattern. One can cause the other uh, and it doesn't really matter where it starts. It's just one end can cause the other to be out of balance. Um, and then it just cascades out of control after that. So if you want to, uh, if, if you really want to get up, up close and personal uh, uh, by, by looking at the effects of fatigue, those who suffer with chronic fatigue syndrome actually have uh, fatigue in both their brain and in their body. Uh, in fact, I've worked with countless clients with uh, this condition, and they will tell you that you can't separate the two. One is equally as prominent as the other. Uh, in fact, they they have a hard time conceptualizing, okay, is this fatigue in my brain? Like, is, am I have a hard time thinking? Uh, I just have a lot of brain fog or is it in my body? My body just won't go. Or is it this weird combination of both? And they'll tell you it's a weird combination of both. Now, does that hold true for the general person who doesn't have a chronic f- fatigue syndrome diagnosis and they're just struggling with low energy? Uh, you know, for most part, people will identify that it's in both places. Um, it's just the severity chronic fatigue syndrome client is going to have a lot more severe case than somebody who is, is having other imbalance type issues. So wouldn't, wouldn't you like to have energy like a two-year-old? I I mean, just look at them. Uh, I mean, I have a, I have a grandchild that's four years old now. She just turned four and man, they have an overabundance of energy. 
Uh, as long as you put fuel, quality fuel into their little mouths, they just keep going and going and going like the Energizer Bunny, don't they? Uh, if, if only it was that, that easy for adults. Now, don't get me wrong, you know, getting your diet right and making sure you're putting quality fuel into the fuel tank, into your body is an extremely important first step for treating low energy issues. But if you recall from previous episodes, I've said repeatedly, uh, for the most part, when a child is born, uh, that child is born with a body that performs as close to perfection as as it probably ever will in its life. So what does this what does this mean for us adults who may be struggling with this sluggish uh, brain, this sluggish body type of issue? Well, I'll answer this question by focusing on epigenetics. Uh, Imagine that we're coming around to epigenetics. If you recall the uh, the analogy I've used in the past for epigenetics, um, they're like switches. Just think of epigenetics like switches. Some of these switches are good, and along the way, they just get turned off. Uh, while other switches are bad switches, and along the way, they get turned on. Now, obviously, we want the bad switches turned off and we want them to stay off and we want the good switches to get turned on and we want them to stay on. You, you see, practically speaking, kids have all of their switches pretty much turned in the correct position when they come into this world. And, and they stay that way for quite some time until something happens. You know, they're exposed to something, whether it be a, a virus or bacteria or a trauma or chemicals in their environment, or bad water, whatever the case may be. And then all of a sudden, the bad switches start getting turned on, and the good switches start getting turned off. And before you know, we have this little adult uh, genetic response going on in these te- in the teenage years and, and early 20s and early adult years, and it just kind of cascades out of control from there. But did you know that as adults, we, we can actually discover uh, what direction your switches are actually turned in. We can see your good switches and your bad switches, and we can know that whether or not they're turned in the correct position. And did you know that once we uh, make that discovery and we know which position those switches are in, we can actually coerce those genetic switches to turn uh, to their healthiest positions. Uh, That's right. When it comes to energy production and fatigue management, I've personally and professionally found that many of the answers to the problem of low energy lie in your genetics, at least foundationally. And I have to be honest, it it looks a bit different for everyone. It, It might be inflammatory related genes for one person. It may be detoxification related gene issues for another It may be mitochondria-related gene issues for another or methylation-related gene issues or neurotransmitter gene issues or some weird combination of one, two, or three or all of these for a particular person. You know, the list goes on and on and on. But once we understand the building blocks, which is is your DNA, which which are your genes, once we understand the building blocks of how your cells function, by understanding 
which direction those switches are actually turned, we can make more sense of all the other stuff that could be causing the low energy and fatigue issues. And then we can make more sense of the, the correct clinical pathway where we can get from A to Z as fast as possible. And, and once we have a better understanding of these things, we can put a plan in place to support these unbalanced genes so that they can function at their most optimal level, which is what we all want. We, we want our genes to function like they did when we were two years old, right? And before you know it, your energy level starts to improve. And who knows, maybe before you know it, you might just be running around like a two-year-old again. Now, that's all I've got for today. I, ha I do have a favor to ask. The information I share here at the Genesis Zone has the, has the potential to radically impact the lives of listeners in a very, very positive way. Um, I, I use evidence-based data. I don't come up with this stuff off the top of my head. I am presenting what current literature is talking about that nobody uh, in mainstream medicine is talking about because they're just not aware of or it just doesn't fit into their paradigm. So that's what we talk about here at the Genesis Zone Show. But the only way other people can find out about this, uh, this information and these life-changing things that we talk about is if you share this content. Um, and one way you can do that is by subscribing to one of my channels. Uh, it simply helps boost our ranking among other podcasts. Now, if you're on YouTube and you watch this uh, on YouTube, please press, press the, the subscribe button. Uh, if you're on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or any myriad of others, but Apple and Spotify really give us nice rankings uh, when, when we have people do this, uh, rate the show first and then subscribe to that the, this particular podcast. Uh, doing any uh, of these or all of these would be greatly appreciated. Um, and I'll, I'll, I'll dance at your next wedding. Um, and it's definitely going to help us get the word out. So um, tune in next Thursday at noon Eastern Standard Time for our next In the Zone segment where I'll be sharing um, the latest research and my insights about that research as it relates to your, your genes, optimizing your, your physical and emotional wellness, and simply just becoming a better person uh, physically, emotionally, and mentally. Um, most informed, most trusted, and, and again, most grateful that you spent this time with us today. Until next time, stay in the zone. I'm Dr. Brian Brown.